welcome to The Franchise Life. I am your host, Stacey Shannon. Today, we have a very special guest with us, Anthony Tata. And Anthony, um, gosh, where do you begin? He was a Brigadier General in the Army. He has authored 16 books thriller fictions, um, of which I have finished my first book called Chasing the Lion. Highly recommend. Um, He has also served under President Trump um, in his career and among many other things, uh, also currently serves on the board of directors for a company called Homefront Brands, which own six different property service brands. Welcome, Tony. Great to be with you, Stacey. Yeah. So I had the pleasure of meeting you in Charlotte, North Carolina, a few months ago at Homefront Brands. Mm -hmm. Um, I was there learning about their different franchises, and subsequently, I have invested in one of their brands. Uh, Temporary Well Systems, which I'm currently launching here in West Palm Beach. But before we get into, you know, the franchising world per se, where you find yourself today in part, uh, share share with us about your background. Sure. Um, gosh, your stellar your stellar um, experience in the army and where you found yourself and how you got to where you are today. Sure. Uh, I always start with, um, I'm the son of two school teachers uh, from Virginia Beach, Virginia. Uh, My father is the son of Italian immigrants that uh, immigrated from Italy in the 20s uh, into Detroit, Michigan. My grandfather was a brick mason, a block layer. And and, um, so very humble beginnings. My mother uh, from the Blue Ridge Mountains in in Virginia, um, they actually met when my dad was at University of Virginia as a football um, standout for UVA back in 1950 or whenever it was. And um, he went to play for the Lions and got cut the last cut before this regular season started. He got drafted and he came back and was student teaching in Charlottesville, Virginia, getting his master's in education and met my mother, who was already a teacher at the high school where and they met in the lunch line. And so very humble beginnings, um, uh, two teachers, three kids. I have an older brother, younger sister, and my brother went to the Naval Academy. Uh, he was a pretty good kicker on the football team. And I got recruited by West Point, um, and I went and played baseball and wrestled at West Point. And then my, my sister one day calls me, and she was the best athlete of the whole group because she ran a 442 mile in high school and she was being recruited uh, wow. nationwide. And, and she calls me at West Point uh, my sophomore year or whatever it was crying saying, dad's trying to make me join the air force. I'm like, join the air force. What are you talking about? You're, you're a national champion miler. And, and um, uh, she goes, yeah, somewhere in Colorado. And I, it clicks for me because my mother had then become a, a guidance counselor now called a school counselor and they knew the ticket i had my brother at navy i was at army and these are um you don't pay to go to those schools other than with with a lot of time and effort and and um they wanted the hat trick my my sister had received an appointment to the air force academy wow. uh, which she turned down and went to 
run at my dad's alma mater and was a national champion miler at University of Virginia, uh, which was a better, better um, life for her. I was in the second class that had uh, women in it. And so there were two all male classes and then two uh, uh, mixed gender classes. And I told my father, you know, after I talked to my sister, I said, it's going to be okay one day. I don't know that it's okay now that you want your daughter uh, my sister in this environment, knowing, knowing my sister as sensitive soul that she is. And, and so I, I embarked on a, a 28 year military career. I was a paratrooper. I commanded in the 82nd airborne division and the 101st airborne division, a deputy commanding general of the 10th mountain division, uh, lots of operational time. My last combat tour was Afghanistan. I was the deputy commanding general of about 25,000 troops there. Uh, you know, a lot of activity, um, as we say, um, it, you know, it was, it was a tough, tough duty. Uh, the wars when they started post, uh, nine um, took a toll on, on the military community in a big way. Um, and, and, uh, a lot of people got burned out. I, I would say that, um, you know, for, for those of us that were sort of continuously operationally deployed, it's, uh, it took a toll on, on a generation of veterans and, um, then, uh, when I transitioned out, I wanted to get back to my roots education. And so I talked to my parents at great length about what I would do post military career. And, um, I went through a training program called the Broad Academy, Eli Broad, billionaire philanthropist out of Detroit, Michigan, um, LA. He recently passed, but he lived in LA, Los Angeles and, the Broad Museum, it's art, medical, and education uh, uh, foundations. And its education foundation was looking for leaders to engage in public school systems. And they recruited me, and I, I um, uh, appreciated that and I went through the program. And then Michelle Ree, who was the chancellor of D.C. public schools at the time, was also on the board of the Broad Academy. And she um, called me one day and said, hey, Tony, I need um, you know a general to come in and help me run the business side of things so I can focus on academics. And so Michelle and I are, are, you know, very close to this day. And, and, um, uh, you know, I, I did that for almost two years, uh, and then got hired away by Wake County, Raleigh, North Carolina, largest school system in the state, 15th largest in the country, um, led that system for a couple of years, loved it, uh, really kind of self-actualized as a leader, um, in, in that capacity. Uh, then the governor, a newly elected governor, asked me to serve as the secretary of transportation of the state. Um, I thought, you know, this this uh, would be a, you know, a combination of, of what I've done in education, what I've done in the military, and be able to apply um, that those skill sets across the state. Uh, second largest transportation system, uh, a lot of people don't realize this, in, in the country with 22 ferries, two seaports, three railroads, wow. 72 airports, 88,000 miles of highway, a lot going on, uh, big state, um, important, um, uh, you know, the intermodality of uh, moving from the port to the rail to, to the trucks, and, and that's, you know, it's jobs, it's commerce. Um, and, and then, um, you know, got into private business, was going to, I played around with a political uh, run and, and ultimately chose not to do that. Uh, state and business, and then uh, the president of the United States um, uh, personnel office calls you and asks you to come 
serve your country again. And um, you just heard my public service background. I couldn't really say no <laughs> to that, um, despite the, the abuse you, you go through. Uh, and the scrutiny you go through uh, in the media, right? Sure. Um, uh, but at, at the end of the day, um, uh, being a good citizen to me involves serving your country in some way. And now um, all of those experiences have led me to several different business lines, one of which is franchising. And and what, what I've, uh, I come at franchising from a couple of different directions. Um, I'm very close friends with Nick Neonakis, uh, the franchise consulting uh, company, and and involved in a couple of endeavors with him and Robot Lab and and Big Peach Car Wash and and uh, a couple other things. And I met um, uh, Jeff Duden, who is Homefront Brands and Duden Group uh, through Nick. And uh, Jeff and I have become friends, and I have the privilege of serving as as an advisor on his board. And, and certainly uh, temporary wall systems and other companies like that are, 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 are the, um, part of Jeff's focus is let's, let's bring jobs back to middle America. Let's create jobs for middle America and help restore part of the country in that fashion. And I'm very much on board with that mission. Um, the, the humble beginnings that my, my parents had and, and certainly uh, my brother and sister and I had um, helping the, you know, Joe Lunchpails of the world um, certainly is, is part of my life goal. And, and you do that by creating jobs. You do that by uh, creating opportunities. And the second piece, I would say, is from a veteran angle, um, helping veterans transition and get into these kinds of uh, opportunities, whether it's owning a franchise or working for a franchise, uh, and I've served on several um, leadership roles of several different uh, veterans charity organizations that help with transitioning veterans. And and certainly um, uh, today I'm an ambassador at homes for Homes for Our Troops uh, that provides housing for our most severely wounded, missing a limb, traumatic brain injury, that kind of thing, veterans. And and so. Uh, it's, it's been uh, a very holistic effort for me, wrapping all my experience into helping create jobs for um, everyday citizens and for, for veterans. Well, thank you for sharing all that. Wow. Uh, first and foremost, thank you for your service. Um, I have several family members who have served in, in a past life when I was in the corporate world, worked with the Army directly to help provide aviation and aerospace technology. Mm -hmm. um, so I have a real appreciation for the sacrifice that you made. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it's really interesting. Um, you know, you're, you're a very humble person. You definitely have a passion for helping others between your military career and where you found yourself today. Um, you know, when you talk about veterans and transitioning, I, I do find myself quite often uh, talking to veterans that are looking to for what that next step is, right? Like in business ownership seems so unachievable for so many people. Mm 
Um, but when you bring in and shared uh, Homefront Brands mission and Jeff Dunan trying to create more jobs and more opportunity for middle America, um, that is one of the things that appealed to me about Homefront Brands and in particular temporary wall systems. Um, but, you know, as going from your educational background into the military then directly, I believe, and serving for, I believe, over 30 years. Yeah, 28 years of active duty plus four years at West Point. Yeah, uh, incredible. So having that transition, what skills do you feel that you acquired? I mean, certainly one that stands out undoubtedly, um, you know, given the number of troops you oversaw is leadership. But mm -hmm. what what skills do you feel that a veteran, I guess, earns or learns um, throughout their military career that could mm -hmm. be and is transferable into business ownership? Yeah, I, that's a great question, uh, Stacy. The the skill sets that many veterans learn, particularly those that are combat uh, leaders, like uh, a, a sergeant on the front lines or a lieutenant or a captain, they are out there in Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, wherever our, our nation takes us, and they are alone and unafraid. They are the ambassador um, meeting with the mayor or the governor of, of some province in Afghanistan or Iraq or Syria and taking care of their troops and making sure that all the logistics is happening uh, to keep their men and women, you know, fed, fueled um, with ammo, all the things they need to do their job. So when you when you look at how they um, have this external facing mission and the internal responsibility of maintaining and leading and caring for, um, it, you know, it, it's different than your average nine to five job because if 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 you fail on getting the fuel or the food or the water to your team, you don't eat, you don't drink, you don't, you don't move. Right. And so there's that everyday responsibility to make sure that you're, you're, you've got a plan, you've got a system. And meanwhile, your mission takes you out into the community as it is. And uh, whether that's interacting with mayors and governors and council people, because every nation has some form of government. Uh, it may not reflect exactly what ours is, but you're constantly dealing with village elders and so forth. And that requires some form of maturity, some diplomacy, uh, and, and certainly balancing the logistical requirements of your mission with the uh, mission accomplishment of engaging these leaders um, among who you have to operate. Um, I couldn't think of really a better preparation for business ownership, for um, uh, ha owning a franchise or working for a franchise, uh, because it's all the same stuff. You just got nobody shooting at you, hopefully. So, um, and, and uh, when you think about uh, running a car wash or a temporary wall system or whatever, you got to get the stuff there. Um, you, you have to engage people to, to sell it, right? Um, and so you have this external piece and you have the internal piece. If you do sell it, if you do land a job, you got you to gotta make sure everything's there. The, you know, the equivalent of the beans and the bullets and the fuel and the water. And, um, you know, when you land your first customer, you're going to 
have to make sure all the temporary wall systems are there, all the components are there. You got the right people to set it up and all of that. And that's the logistics that go into it. So this internal um, organization skill and external engagement skill that every soldier, sailor, airman, marine learn when they're in these environments um, are directly applicable to, to franchising. No, I like that. And, you know, it's interesting just taking that a step further is the franchise system, I mean, can draw a parallel to kind of, you know, a military structure per se, because the beauty of the franchise world is you do have a corporate office or, you know, the, the umbrella brand that is helping provide guidance and support and technology and so forth to their franchisees, which could be those combat individuals that you're using as an example. Um, but at the end of the day, you're running your own business like your own mission and are responsible for everyday decisions to either be successful or not. Right. Yeah, it's a direct parallel. Um, the, the, uh, I think about, I had 91 forward operating bases in Afghanistan that I circulated around. Some were led by lieutenant colonels, some were led by captains, all had um, very seasoned sergeants as advisors to uh, these commanders. And uh, at, the, at the end of the day, they loved having that autonomy and independence, but they also knew that there were guys like me that could they could reach out and say, hey, um, I haven't gotten my ammo resupply for three days. Or uh, So having that headquarters entity to resource them, uh, not necessarily tell them what to do all the time, but to, to help them when they needed it is, is uh, very applicable and very transferable to you know, the business world here where with franchise, they're out there slaying it themselves uh, if they run into some issues they can always call the HQ and say, how do I fix this? Or can you get me more of that? And, and it's nice to have, to know that you can always call back to somebody um, in case things are, are going a little sideways. Absolutely. You're not in business by yourself, but for right. yourself, right. in essence. Exactly. Which, no, that's interesting. I never really drawn the parallel. I, I know that you know, through my experience and exposure in the fan franchise industry that a lot of veterans make absolutely excellent franchise owners. Um, but I'd never really drawn that parallel to the structures being very similar. I mean, two different mm -hmm. worlds, but mm -hmm. very similar. So let me ask you this. Um, you know, a lot of clients, whether a veteran or not, deal with fear. So the fear of the unknown, the fear of, you know, taking that step into business ownership, um, you know, in the world that you lived in, in the military, um, you guys, you and, you know, your troops and counterparts, you faced fear day in and day out. Sure. What advice would you give someone? And I'm speaking more, you know, I mean, this will apply to everyday life, sure. but what would you, what advice can you give someone who is dealing with fear and making a decision in a decision like going into business for themselves? Yeah, I, I, that's a really good um, question because it revolves around, in my mind, you know, all of us want to take care of our families or take care of ourselves. 
um, in the military, you've been out doing your mission, um, but, but you didn't have to do a quarterly report. You didn't have to, um, uh, you're, uh, you certainly had to provide a lot of reports back and paperwork and all that stuff. I'm not saying it didn't exist. Uh, but, um, your, your paycheck was not based upon any, um, uh, you know, EBITDA or revenue or any of that. It's you're being paid because you're, you're a soldier, sailor, airman, marine in the military. And so making that transition from the military, even as a civilian out of a corporate job to go out and break out on your own, um, is, is, is one that creates a lot of anxiety because, um, am I going to make it? Uh, do I have enough money? Uh, what if I, what if I fail? And, you know, I, I've been very successful at some business things and I've failed at some business things. I made some good investments and I made some bad investments. And what, what I would say is that, uh, everybody has to do what's right for their situation, for their family, how much risk can they, can they take? What, what is the reward that they see coming back? How much value do you put on being an independent operator versus being, uh, a, a, a member of a, of a team, a cog in a wheel, not in a negative sense, but just, you know, one of several people, you know, giving way together in a corporate building and, and there's trade-offs, there's personal satisfaction. There's a heck of a lot of motivation that comes with being an independent operator or franchise owner, knowing that it's, it's all on my back. Uh, maybe I bring in a teammate to help me and, and, um, uh, that it's, yeah, you have to analyze it both in a scientific and, and, and an artistic way, um, emotional way as what, what makes me personally happy. Am I okay? Nine to five in it and a suit at, at the office building, or do I want to get out there and, and, uh, you know, run temporary wall systems and talk to developers and building, uh, builders and condo owners that have some, uh, um, uh, reconstruction to do and, and sell the product and, and make outsized gains, um, and do I have enough savings to, to carry me over, uh, until I start to see that return on investment. So yeah, I don't think it's a one size fits all at all. I think it's every individual, what's your personal circumstance, what motivates you and what's your financial situation? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great way to, to put it. Um, yeah, having spent 21 years in the corporate world, uh, you know, it's interesting because I speak with a lot of ind individuals that would like to make an exit from the corporate world, but uh, the perceived security of the corporate world keeps right. them in, right? right. Mm -hmm. uh, and the one thing I learned, uh, regardless of what level you're at, is everybody's dispensable. Everybody can be right. replaced. Right. So to me, it's a false sense of security. I mean, there are many people that are able to, you know go their entire careers in the corporate world. And I think that is fantastic. But I've also been privy to and subject to individuals that are easily displaced and mm -hmm. replaced, right? So, um, you know, that's where, and obviously with what I do, I'm a huge proponent of, you know, taking your future into your own hands. And, you know, certainly you have to weigh the risks and make sure that you have the financial wherewithal and, you know, are making the best decisions for yourself. But building, building 
a future for yourself and investing in yourself is is what I'm passionate about. So back to your uh, your franchise investments and uh, you know how much time and I know yours are more passive investments. Um, it's not that you're running a franchise on a daily basis by any means, but you're invested in franchise opportunities. Um, why? Oh, how did you choose the ones you chose? What were the attributes that you were looking for when considering franchise investment? Yeah. So I, I what am I interested in? Um, and and uh, I am. I'm an equity owner in two different franchise opportunities and they take up a fair amount of time every week. I'm on, um, uh, it's like being on the board of directors. Um, I, I have a call in an hour and a half with, uh, the car wash franchise that, uh, we are, we are doing. And then I've already had a call this morning with the robotics, uh, franchise, um, that, that we're doing. And, uh, so the time commitment is significant, uh, particularly measured against everything else that I'm doing. Uh, but uh, for me, it was, uh, you know, I've had other opportunities that I've said no to, but these two things really interest me. One is, I think, just the uh, financial opportunity with the car wash, because that seems to be a lot of all, all the rage right now uh, with uh, private equity firms. And so uh, being involved in the car wash is interesting. I, I work with a lot of PE firms um, and other parts of my business, and and to to see those two sides of the world coming together, there's there's a lot of opportunity there. And so I I was interested in that. The robotics, the robot lab, um, is um, they they have robots that will go into hospitals and with ultraviolet uh, uh, rays and and clean the hospitals. Um, they, they have, uh, ro robotics in school systems. Uh, they have robots that will go in to, that our restaurants use to go around and deliver food or clear, wow. clear, um, trays. Uh, and right now there's a real employment crisis in this country. And so when you think about robots and how robots can augment, uh, and make people more efficient and particularly business owners, uh, more efficient, if you've got. Uh, if you're having a hard time getting servers uh, and you can have these robots going around cleaning tables, um, it's additive to your workforce and you can have your servers focused on your customers uh, as opposed to, um, you know, trying to do two things at one time. Um, so uh, I love the concept. And so for me, it was I love the concept um, of, of both of them. And, and I think that's kind of at the heart of why you make any decision with regard to doing business. I like the people that I, that I met in both of, of these opportunities. I mean, I made personal visits to the headquarters before I decided to get invested and, and um, just tremendous people, all entrepreneurs, all uh, very uh, salt of the earth folks trying to bring services to uh, citizens and, and uh, also make some money while doing it. And that's, uh, that's, that's what Jeff Duden talks about, you know, bringing, you know, bringing the middle class back to America with, with opportunities uh, for business. And, and um, I, want, I want to do my part there. I've, I've served in 
many different other ways um, in our country. And I feel like this is almost a, like service as well, helping create opportunities for um, so many, you know, great Americans that want to just own a business and, and help their local community. Absolutely. I mean, so a couple of takeaways from that is, number one, the breadth of the franchise industry. I mean, when people think of franchising, they think of McDonald's, they think of Chick-fil-A. Usually it's more food and beverage type mm -hmm. opportunities. The breadth is so wide. So I've mentioned temporary walls. You've mentioned car washes, robotics. I mean, there's senior care. There's the typical food and beverage, there's property management. It's just so vast, right. so many different opportunities. Um, but the other thing which I really is really interesting and a trend we've just started to see in the past few years is private equity mm -hmm. getting involved in the franchise industry because mm -hmm. of the value they see in right. it. Right. And that is significant. And, and it's also... Getting back to your previous question about decision making and security and safety and, and risk, um, that's also a real signal to people trying to make a decision that, you know, uh, if I make this leap, you know, there's there's already people from the PE private equity world making that leap. They're investing in in car washes and and other types of franchises because they create so much opportunity and so much business. Absolutely. And they're even investing in franchise organizations that own multiple brands. I right. mean, we see it from a number of different angles. All right. Well, we've covered a number of topics. And as we know, you have a call franchise call coming up soon. <laughs> so um, let me one fun topic. Sure. You're an author of 16 books. How does an army veteran and a businessman and a someone who's served under President Trump, how do you author 16 books? Where do you find the time and where do you get your inspiration from? I'm typically not doing anything between midnight and 4 a.m. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, you know, when I'm... Uh, I have to write a thousand words a day. I had a command sergeant major once tell me in the, when I was in the commanding in the 82nd Airborne, sir, if we're not falling ahead or, or uh, getting ahead, we're falling behind. And, and and that's absolutely true across life, not just in the writing world. But, um, you know, when you're writing and pub having published Macmillan, St. Martin's Press is my publisher. They're one of the big four or five publishers out there. Um, I do a book a year and and you have to write it in about six or seven months, turn it in, and then you go back and forth on edits with the editors. Um, and then they put it into production and it comes out and then you go on book tour. Um, so there are three distinct phases, the writing, the editing, and the marketing. Um, it's a business and um, it's one that uh, I do 100% myself. I don't farm it out to any ghostwriter or any of that kind of thing. And um, the I, I do have a writing coach who who looks at every one of my novels and she gives me feedback and all that just like you know tiger woods has a swing coach you know sure. I'm not saying i'm the tiger woods of writing <laughs> but uh, um uh so uh for for me it's 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 fun it's it's uh it's a passion and it also is very therapeutic um and i don't i don't i you know i've been at a book conference all week in san diego and 
and you get a lot of questions about, oh, so, you know, what acts are you grinding and all that. Like, I'm, I'm an entertainer. I write for entertainment. I'm not trying to prove a point. I'm not writing about my life. I'm just entertaining. And when you think about people have a limited budget, they're going to spend their 10 bucks or 20 bucks on entertainment. They have to choose between you and Tom Clancy and, you know, a million other authors, or, uh, am I going to, you know, go to this movie, Steven Spielberg movie? It's, it's how people entertain themselves by reading and getting lost in the world. So that's your competition. And I, I write from a, uh, I use a screenplay writing format to outline my books and, and I, I just want to write the most entertaining, um, and, and enlightening, uh, I guess in some cases I use a lot of historical examples, uh, bring them in and create this, you know, uh, for my protagonist, uh, who's flawed, create a, uh, problem he has to solve and have somebody, the antagonist trying to stop him from solving the problem. Fascinating. Uh, that's, that's a whole nother podcast. We'll do that one. <laughs> um, no, it, it is just fascinating. And it's, you are, I mean, you're fascinating, just so well-rounded, you know, you just have your hand in so many different things. And again, having read one of your 16 books, uh, it is very entertaining and it's number one in a series. So I need to continue that series and I certainly will. Uh, I'll, I'll bring you Total Empire, which is number two in the series uh, next time we sit down. Fantastic. All right. Well, Tony, thank you so much for taking the time out today to share your insights into just, you know, veterans and transferring those skills into business ownership or even working for a franchise. And it, it, you're, we have so much to learn from you. So thank you for being here. And uh, I look forward to our next discussion. Yeah, likewise. And thank you for uh, what you do here with this uh, podcast, Stacey. Thank you. My, my pleasure. All the best. Likewise. All right. For anybody that is interested in learning more, about Homefront brands or any other franchise opportunities that are available today, please feel free to reach out to me at stacy at fusionfranchising.com. Thanks and have a great day.